hello. Hello. How are you? I'm doing well. Welcome to the Slide Talks podcast. This is a normal yeah. uh, intro so let me, far. Let me lead you in a particular direction. Okay. On a previous episode, we talked about Cheeseburger in Paradise. Oh, my God. A song by... Um, James Buffett. <laughs> James. Mr. James Buffett. Mr. James Buffett. I would like to read you now some poetry from Mr. James Buffett okay. to bring us into the Side Talks podcast. Okay. First of all, what's up, Ding Dongs? Okay. That's it. Tried to amend my carnivorous habits. Yeah. Uh-huh. Made it nearly 70 days. Losing, 70 days? Mm-hmm, losing weight without speed. Eating sunflower seeds. Drinking lots of carrot juice and, so- and soaking up rays. But at night, I'd have these wonderful dreams. Some kind of sensuous treat. Not zucchini, fettuccine, or bulgur wheat. But a big warm bun and a huge hunk of meat. Cheeseburger in paradise. Heaven on earth with an onion slice. Not too particular, not too precise. I'm just a cheeseburger in paradise. Heard about the old time sailor men. Still going. They'd eat the same thing again and again. Like the lighthouse. Warm beer and bread, they said, could raise the dead. You're fond of me cheeseburger. (laughs) Well, it reminds me of the menu. Had a holiday inn. But times have changed for sailors these days. When I'm in port, I get what I need. Not just Havana's or bananas or daiquiris, but the American creation on which I feed. Cheeseburger in paradise, medium rare, with mustard would be nice. Heaven on earth with an onion slice. I'm just a cheeseburger in paradise. I like mine with lettuce and tomato. Heinz 57 and French fried potatoes. Heinz 57. Sling blade. Uh-huh. Big kosher pickle and a cold draft beer. Uh-huh. Well, good God almighty, which way do I steer for my cheeseburger in paradise? Making the best part of every virtue and vice worth every damn bit of sacrifice to get a cheeseburger in paradise Get me a cheeseburger in paradise. I'm just a cheeseburger in paradise. I like mine with lettuce and tomato, Heinz 57, and French fried potato, big kosher pickle, and a cold draft beer. Well, good God almighty, which way do I steer? It's pure poetry. <laughs> Brad, are you upset? Are you mad? Like, this is, this, you're a musician, man. This, yeah. this did it. This is what did it. This did it. Anyway. So wait, I'm confused. Is he the cheeseburger or does he desire a cheeseburger? I think what he's saying, and, and, and again, I, it's, hard to, it's hard to really interpret such deep poetry, but I think what he's saying is despite all of the things in the world, all the riches, if you will, all the healthy food and, ah. and, and the expensive food, he's just at heart a cheeseburger, a cheeseburger kind of guy. Is that what you're getting to? Yeah, he's an everyman. Yeah. Okay. So it's just it's it's his version of Jenny from the Block. I get it. Yeah. Now. There I get you go. It. It's his version. That's right. Oh, if you have made it still with us in this intro without fast forwarding or jumping off, we <laughs> love you so so much. Let's um let's talk about what we normally talk about, which is cheeseburgers in paradise. Corey, let's do it. What's this shit? Oh my god! I know. This is the most annoying first five minutes of any podcast in the history of the world, but we're going to own it. We got to be the best at something. 
I don't know that we've even surpassed our own <laughs> record. Oh, I don't either. If don't this know. is but, your first episode of the podcast, oh, well, I don't know I what to so tell sorry. you. Podcast at sidewalkfest.com. We love notes. I get them every day and I love them, love them, love them, send them my way. That's true. Rachel very notoriously enjoys. I love them and I get them all the time. So let me just say, <laughs> let me just say, uh-huh. um, this is going to be a quick one because I don't think you're going to get it. Okay. Okay. Well. So are you ready? I'm going to describe the scene. I don't think you're going to get it at all. As a matter of fact, I'm going to describe three scenes very quickly. Okay. The first one involves a young woman and a young man. Do you know what it is? <laughs> Garden State. No, I one, don't know what this is. One of them is a U.S. citizen, uh-huh. an American, if you will. Uh-huh. And the other is, I'm just going to say, not from the country. Not okay? from and they're in the his, United States. They, I believe they're in his homeland, from what I can tell. Okay. They're, they're, I don't know where we are in the film, but it's pr- probably pretty early on. He's helping her get a, a bag out of her trunk of her car to go into what looks like maybe an inn. Okay. And um, he kind of bangs the bag against the car, and she says to him, please be careful with that. My boyfriend bought that for me. Okay. And he says, your boyfriend brought you a suitcase? And she replies, it's a baton. How contemporary is this movie? Fairly. Okay. Mm, you know, last at least the last decade, I would think. Okay. And, of course, she's talking about Louis Vuitton, and he kind of laughs about that and shoves the bag back in the car. That's one scene. All right. And then the ne- the next scene I see happens clearly further on in the film, and she's um, got a, a towel around her. She's just gotten out of the shower, and she's like, I'm naked. Quit coming in here. And he keeps- So wait, she is the American? She is. And he is not. The not American. And they are in his homeland. I believe so. Is this leap year? Oh my God, you got it. Of course I fucking got wow. it. Come on. <laughs> Holy shit. The on- There's only one good thing about this film. Amy Adams? Yeah, you got it. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah. And by the way, the other scene, she's also wrapped in a towel. She just, they want to put her in a towel, towel on her head, towel on her bod. I mean, listen, if I she's were cutie. a sleazy Hollywood executive, yeah. I would have made the same All decision right. at that time Touche. in- history you got um, it you won yeah of course i did uh this is not a good movie but <laughs> it, I, i've tried to watch it actually because you know i yeah. do love amy adams uh, and that's too. how ba- that's how bad it is i couldn't make it through even five minutes of this thing even knowing that i'm looking at amy adams for the majority of this film it's better than hillbilly elegy though oh, you know well, why because she's not like declammed and gross looking she's yeah. like hot amy adams in this movie but i told you i didn't even care I'll take the de-glam, nasty, trailer trash, Amy Adams, bring it my way. You can have it. I'm married now, though, so, I'll, I'll, so she's going to have to back off. Back off, Amy Adams. Yeah, Amy off. Adams, quit it. Back off. Back off. We're quit both, texting me, girl. We're both married, and we don't need this, so take your leap year, and, and we'll see you in take four years. Take your towel body right out of here. Yeah, get, get Take a hike, miss. Okay, that's, that's what's the shit. I won. You won. Leap year. Great movie. <laughs> no. And now, a look at what we're watching this week. So, do you mind if I just tell you what I've been watching? Please tell me and what And I want been to hear watching. what you've been watching. Okay. I've been on a plane. Yep. I watched The Fablemans. Masterpiece. I don't know if I'd go as far as to say masterpiece. I appreciate that from you. but I And I want to just go ahead and say, this is going to have a couple of spoilers in it, but I also uh-huh. don't think the spoilers... I think you, you know... I mean, that's the thing about it's this film. Spielberg's autobiography. It's, you kind of know. Yeah. So I like this film a lot. And I, I heard you say multiple times this film is weirder than people are giving it credit yep. for, weirder than you think it might be. And I totally agree with you. This is a ve- this is a bit of an odd film. Yes. And Michelle William play- Williams plays it a little odd yes. even. It's a very strange – she looks a little odd. It, I, but I really liked it. And I, and I – you know, there's been plenty written about this. Nobody needs to hear me talk for a long time about the Fablemans. But I just want to say this. Mm-hmm. The ending of the film – 
how adorable is it? That it's so good. David Lynch is playing John Ford. It's just so it's so hilarious. I really I, I loved that moment. And and here's the other thing. So when I was in, I was pre-law before I went to film school. Uh-huh. That was kind of some nudging by my parents and, and also probably because I had seen a lot of legal films. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. I was like, oh, that looks fun. So, but I really wanted to go to film school. And then, and then I ended up going to film school in my sort of second-ish, third-ish year, sort of between sophomore and junior year. Went to film school. And after, you know, being kind of, I'm going to see if I can get this out of my system is what my mom thought too. Right. And so I get to film school and I'm at the fan of a college of art and design. And I remember getting about halfway through the first year and thinking, you know what? I just don't even give a shit if I end up scrubbing toilets at a movie theater. This is just what I want to do. Right. I don't care what it is. I, I could just, I could tear tickets at a movie theater. I could clean up at a, you know, I could be the trash, the, the custodian at a, at a, at a, on a studio back lot. It doesn't matter to me. I just want to be in this industry and talk about movies and watch movies and be around movies Hell and yeah. be around movie shit. And, um, and, and so that's kind of, that's what kept me in film school was this idea of like, it doesn't really matter what I do. As long as I'm talking about movies, I'm happy. And this, this ending for me, I, I was in tears yeah. on, on the airplane. It, it did something similar to me that Hugo did to me. Yeah. I was in tears for that film, too, because, you know, he leaves John Ford's office. He's got no job. He's got no future in film as far as, as he knows or as far as we know for this character. Uh-huh. And he's he's just ear to ear grinning. I mean, he's just had John Ford say to him, get the fuck out of my office. <laughs> it's nothing good is, is, is set up for us here. But he's grinning ear to ear because he's walking down the center of a back lot. Yeah. And I just thank you, Spielberg, for that moment because it it is a love letter to – it just brought all this shit kind of crumbling down for me in that moment because, you know, we think about Spielberg as being, you know – sort of annoying because he's Spielberg and that's the name and I roll, I roll. But ultimately I think he is just a dude who loves movies. Of course he's a dude who can make them and has a big bank account. Don't get me wrong. But I do think what's in the heart, right? The center, the core there and what the story, what the message here is, is look, I, I got luckier than most, but I just love this so fucking much. And, and, you know, throughout the whole movie, it's just, it's a love letter to the, what, cinema can do you know right. and not only in the best way right but like the power of you know the moving image to sway opinion and you know the 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 heart of the movie to me is when he premieres the beach party film that he made for his senior class outing and he's made his bully look essentially like this ubermensch like right a God. and the bully kind of has this strange reaction to it, an emotional reaction that you wouldn't expect because instead of just being like, yeah, that was me. I am cool. You know, he, he kind of has a breakdown and it's like, why did you make me look like I could accomplish anything? Those are expectations I'll never be able to live up to. And that's, you know, coupled that with, you know, the, the sequence where he young Sammy Fableman has caught through home uh, you know home camera footage yeah. from a camping trip some pretty compelling vi- video evidence of his mother sort of drifting away from his marriage with his father from from her marriage with, yeah. with his father you know it 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 almost functions as cautionary tale as much as anything else but but i agree that the ending is so triumphant um 
and hiring one of the greatest filmmakers of all time to play one of the greatest filmmakers yeah, of all time it's, is it's just a perfect a, thing. It's a hat tip that I really appreciated. And, and of course, the, the visual joke yeah, that happens right before the great. credits start. It's great. Um, I won't spoil that here. If you haven't seen The Fablemans, check it out. It's so funny, though. It's great. And I also want to say, too, just that the, that it's it's really fun to just spend about six solid minutes in a Spielberg gaze at the beginning. Yeah. You know, they take little baby Spielberg uh, to the to the movies yeah. and he's just he's just fl- he's just slack jawed, flabbergasted, just, you know, doesn't know what to do with themselves and kind of traumatized and kind of traumatized at the same time. But it's just Spielberg knows uh, he's certainly aware of what he's doing and he's certainly aware of this very famous visual essay about the Spielberg gaze. Absolutely. And he just goes, you know what? You guys want the Spielberg gaze? I'm about to give you the fucking Spielberg gaze. And you just get a a, a mouth gaping Spielberg gaze for a good, the first kind of section of the film. It's it's wonderful. But it's almost like, here's where that comes from. This is the moment in my life that inspired this. Right. Uh, It was a joy. I really, I really enjoyed, I I loved it. Um, Yeah, it's great. Yeah, I had a a really good time. Um, And I think it works for people who aren't as in love with film, you know, as I am, but it, it, if you, you you can also kind of connect it to, if you're, if you're a musician, if you're, uh, if you, or hell, a mathematician for that matter. It yeah. just any if you connect to anything um, that it, that is that is outside of a human being. This is this is a story of that, oh, and I, I really love it. Um, so yeah, hats off, Spielberg. Thank you. And um, and you know I don't normally do that. Uh, and then I, I will just quickly tell you. I'm going to skip over one of them because I spent too much time on this, and we'll bring it up next time. But mm-hmm. I want to quickly tell you that I think I'm the only person in the world who's done this. It, it, it wasn't a walkout. Uh-oh. I watched the first hour of Bo is Afraid uh-huh. because I had to get ready to go. Some I couldn't. I wanted yeah. to stay and I couldn't. Yeah. I'll put it that way. But I wanted to at least get. I wanted to get my 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 toes into this film at least um, on the big screen. Uh-huh. And I watched the first hour and I, I'm on board for it. I don't know if I like it, but I'm on board for this. Sure. Okay. And here's what I That's especially fair. love about it. Uh-huh. I feel like the the, the portrayal of the city. Right is is kind of like the trolls that used to be on al.com. Yes. That's what they picture downtown Birmingham exactly. being. It's, exactly, it's it's the Trumpers' view of New York. It you is know? so it's funny when you think about hilarious. it. Hilarious! It's so funny. Um, I I I think I like this thing. I'm not positive yet. Um, well, and it's, but it's really really funny. It is. I'll caution you. The spider you. thing is just straight up slapstick oh, in the I best know. way. Oh, the spider thing. I mean, I have, I have a, I have an arachnophobia thing. But the, I do too. But, but the, the, the posters in the hallway the too that are, are like, hilarious. and they say, you know, this is a brown recluse. It's in the hallway. Uh, residents don't let it bite you. Yes. It's, it's just so funny. So if you've ever, also if you've ever lived in a, in just a shitty apartment building, it's so funny. Anyway, I know it's going to change. I was there for the, the, the beginning of the yeah. shift. I get it. I don't necessarily hate that. I, I'm, I can't wait to see the rest of it. I'll put I it mean, that way. Y- your your enjoyment may ebb and flow yeah, for in sure. the remaining hour. I mean, you you can see it already did a bit. Yeah, you, know, you can see that it's it's a movie that is dead set on alienating a lot of viewers. Yeah. already from the first hour. I I think the first hour is the best part of it, but your mileage may vary because there's and and the remaining you know portion of the film has so much great stuff in it that I I, I think you'll remain on board even if you don't come down fully positive well it, it's 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 visionary yeah it's visionary and absolutely I, and so even this is this was my feeling in an hour 
I don't know if I even love what I've just seen, but I'm laughing a good bit. Yeah. I'm like one of three people. There was a room full of like 30 people at Sidewalk watching it, and I'm one of like three people laughing. So, oh, I mean, man. that's pretty, yeah. but fine, I'll take it. Yeah. Um, but I did, I did kind of leave thinking, you know, I don't know, maybe I won't end up liking this film, but similar to his other work, uh-huh. I it doesn't, just because I don't like it doesn't mean it's not great work or work that I think is important and should, you know, it, it is absolutely visionary, creative, um, and, and, and really, really kind of thoughtful and, um, I don't know, a, a bit genius. I think that's well put. So um, what have you been watching? So I've got three pretty um, major recommendations for contemporary stuff that's that's playing right now or is just wrapping up its its theatrical run. Um, first, Kelly Reichert's showing up, starring okay. Michelle Williams and That's the other one I'm going to talk Hirsch, about later, but um, go ahead. Of, of The Fablemans. Uh, I love this movie. Um, Did you? Not a surprise, um, because Kelly Reichert's gentle sort of uh, filmmaking rhythms kind of always lull me in, and this is no exception, though this is kind of a a dry comedy in a lot of ways, uh, where Michelle Williams plays um, an artist kind of who works in administration at an art school. Um, She is stressed out all the time, but particularly... um, during the week or so that this film chronicles as she's preparing for an exhibition of her sculpture work. Um, And all she wants is for people either to a never talk to her or B ask her how her work is going so she can complain about it. But none of that ever happens because everybody that, that surrounds her, is kind of, you know, as people do dealing with their own stuff. Right. Also, if you've ever spent a gone to art school for five minutes, uh, huh. This is just it's you know, pretty it's pretty it, close, it, right? It's so so of the world. Yeah. And I just want to interject really quickly and say, isn't Kelly Reichert such a kind filmmaker? Yeah. I mean she's just the really kind, it's it's such humane. feminine, kind filmmaking. I appreciate this. She you know, she's just great. And this was uh a pretty stellar um entry into her filmography as far as I'm concerned, most of which I just absolutely adore. So showing up uh, a really kind of again gentle uh comedy uh with great work from the entire cast, Michelle Williams, Hong Chow, Judd Hirsch, um, and uh John Magaro, the star of First Cow, shows love, up. I love First Cow so much. Yeah, First Cow rules. Uh this one isn't as good as First Cow, but Agreed. it's still really, Agreed. really good. Agreed. Um, it's also just such a different I mean it feels like a this is the most internal comedy I've ever watched. Yeah. Like I, I wasn't laughing at all, but it, I was like, mm. you know what I mean? I'm yeah. just kind of like nodding along. Yeah. Anyway. I mean, it's it's funny because it's so recognizable, right? You know, yeah. you see your own sort of neuroses and anxieties just up there on the screen. Is anybody even going to come to my show? Does anybody care what I'm doing? Um Am I not as good as my peers? Am I not up to the level I should be, et cetera, et cetera? And all of this is really communicated through a a prickly and largely silent Michelle Williams performance. Who yeah. Is, is as brilliant as always, though. Yeah, absolutely. And I really appreciated what happens with narrative structure here. I'm not going to spoil anything. Uh-huh. But I really appreciated what happens with narrative structure here. Yeah. It, it plays with you a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then I have to say that I don't know why w- that I would have landed – 
feeling good about this film because I don't feel great, but I feel good uh-huh. about this film if it weren't for the ending. The, the ending's ending, wonderful. The ending is what I want. I I keep coming back to as being like, okay, you you kind of got me there a little bit, Kelly Riker. Yeah. You got me there. There's there's so a I running re- thread with a pigeon and the way that that is paid off and how that sort of represents everything else that's been going on in the movie sort of metaphorically. It's just brilliant. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. Um, so the other two I'll run through pretty quickly. Uh, Big Paul Schrader's back at it. He's back oh, on man. his bullshit. You, you've been waiting for Master Gardener. I've been eagerly anticipating Master Gardener. And while I didn't find it up to the level as First Reformed, which is a masterpiece, or The Card Counter, which is very, very good, I really liked Master Gardener a lot. This, this Man in a Room trilogy, as he's coming to call it, is a really compelling uh, encapsulation of what makes Schrader one of the most interesting screenwriters and then later writer-directors um, out there since, uh, hell, the the mid-'70s, right? I mean, the way his mind works um, is endlessly fascinating to me. And I, I'm saying that as a guy who's kind of done a Schrader deep dive this year. I've seen like eight Paul Schrader movies in the last like six months, including this new one. Um, so I, I just can't get enough of, of this guy's stuff. Master Gardener is a real provocation, though. Um, and not everybody who sees Master Gardener is going to be on its wavelength. But yeah. for me, it is an exploration of one of Schrader's most compelling recurring themes, which is what is the nature of forgiveness, right? What is the nature of grace? And to whom can we extend forgiveness? And are there people who have committed crimes so abhorrent that they are not worthy of forgiveness. I mean, Schrader is, of course, a deeply theological and Christian filmmaker. uh, So where he lands in this particular case, I I don't think will surprise anybody. But it is a provocation because, well, I don't want to spoil anything, but the main character played by Joel Edgerton has one hell of a criminal past that is, you know, very – it speaks to the contemporary moment in some some really um, compelling ways. So, Master Gardener, uh, it, it's going to provoke you, but where it lands is somewhere honestly kind of sweet and soft-hearted for Paul Schrader, who is not known for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then finally, I want to mention Matt Johnson's film Blackberry, um, yeah. which is a delight. Um, I, I'm kind of a sucker for these corporate sort of comedy drama dramas about like the development of a thing and how a thing you know was launched and and the sort of rise and fall of tech bros or, or whatever. You know, this is kind of social networky, Moneyball like, or more recently like Air, the the, the movie about um, the development of the Air Jordan shoe. But this is the BlackBerry, and um, it's a Canadian film because BlackBerry was a Canadian company. Um, it has this very sort of dorky sense of humor that I found really delightful because we're dealing with these kind of tech bro shut-ins who's you know talk in movie references and video game references. Uh, so the dialogue is peppered with all of that until Glenn Howerton's shark of a businessman comes in to whip all these nerds into shape so they can actually produce and sell a viable product. Of course, if you um, followed the story of BlackBerry when Blackberries were a thing that everybody had, um, you may know that eventually a product called the iPhone comes along and kind of renders it irrelevant. Um, so this charts the the meteoric rise and fall of of BlackBerry in a tremendously entertaining 
way. I kind of like this movie a little more than Air. It doesn't have some the, of the uh, the feature length Nike commercial. Well, I like it more than that. Um, I like Air a lot, but I I, I think Blackberry. Uh, Blackberry is is perhaps more of a surprise, yeah. Which is why I responded to it. I think so so enthusiastically. So so three recommendations there from me, and it sounds like um, you've got I don't know one and a third pretty good recommendations. Yeah, so there far too. so good. Um, so so that's what we've been watching. Well, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Side Talks podcast. We're your own personal. Uh oh. You like this? Uh, e- Cinematic. Yeah. It's getting really dramatic. Cinematic, um, world famous meatball. Oh, no. And three meatballs. What? <laughs> so what the choice is between one meatball or three meatballs? That's what? right. Explain That's this. Right. That's right. Explain That's right. yourself. Okay. <laughs> I was really pacing this out because I knew y'all were going to love this one. So at Buca de Beppo, oh, which is God. the worst name of, of a restaurant ever, in my opinion, um, they have something called the World Famous Meatball. Uh-huh. It is our famous half-fucking-pound meatball. That's And that's big. literally what it says on the menu, our half-fucking-pound meatball, topped with our homemade marinara sauce and creamy ricotta. And I need y'all to know, just need you to know, this thing is 450 calories, which, which is surprisingly low, but does anybody want to take a little stab in the dark? At how much this sucker cost on the menu? Nine ninety nine. Okay. No. Brad, what are you thinking? Um, I'm, I'm going to go twenty to twenty five. This is a twenty six dollar ball. Twenty six dollars. This is a twenty six dollar ball. I'm not even fucking with y'all right now. Twenty six for, for twenty six dollars. Bu- that meatball better fucking wash my car too. Yeah. Only four hundred and fifty calories for twenty six dollars. No sir. Uh, and now the three meatballs, uh-huh. those are just from the Olive Garden. Oh. Okay. And those are um, going to be a measly, what is this? No, they're they're up there too. I think they're like a measly, oh no, they're 480 calories. Oh, but there's three of them. There's three of them. But together but they're not they a must... half pound, so I don't know what's going on in these balls. Um, but these are only $3.99. What? Yeah. For three meatballs? Three meatballs for three ninety nine. So they must be small. But I would they're think still so, yeah. packed with calories yeah, because it's all that's fun. right. So here's your here's your big decision of the day, Corey. Are you going to be one big ball? Or are you going to be the three balls? I'm letting you pick. I'm going to take the one big one. Yeah, the one big twenty six dollar ball. Yeah. I, I don't blame you. I'll be the three. I'll all be right, the three for right, three ninety nine. Right. Um, I don't love either of these choices. <laughs> to be clear, I really, as somebody who doesn't eat meat, I dislike this so much. Yeah. But when I came across, I was kind of looking for some drinks or some this or some that I could kind of put in here, you know, because I like to get back to my corporate food when I can. When I discovered that Buca de Beppo, which is just such a stupid name, had one giant ball on the menu for $27, I had to bring that to y'all. Well, $27 American dollars. Damn. Now, they do do claim it's shareable, which I would imagine it is. It would almost have to be. (laughs) I think you have – this is what I think, though. I get really freaked out. If I'm eating cereal and anyone wants to kind of, oh, can I have a couple of bites of that? No, that's my, like cereal is not a shareable item no, to me. No, no. If I'm sharing a giant ball with somebody, which again, I don't eat meat, but if I had to, that just, that's pers- that's a date. You cut that's into a date. it. That's like you somebody you're intimate it. with. Am I wrong? No, sharing, uh, sharing cereal, I've never heard of that. 
Yeah, I don't want to do it. Yeah, yeah it's like, hey, can I have some soup from your yes, soup bowl? Like, great. no. Even cereal's worse somehow. I don't yeah, know why. It is why. worse. I don't know why. But I feel like I don't want to, sh- I wouldn't share a ball with a coworker. You know what I mean? Like you've never had like a cheese ball on the table, and everybody just cuts a little bit this of that. Feels different? Am I wrong? No, I mean Brad, you're not wrong, wrong, but it's the same the bo- concept. The meatball sort of. feels different than a cheese ball. It does. I mean, yeah. I mean, a cheese ball is meant to be shared, right? Yeah. So is this ball? So it's this giant ball at, Be- at Buca de Pepe. Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> I don't feel good about that. No, like, I don't, don't want to go. I don't want to go on a team building a site. Not that we do this, but if we ever go on that retreat, we keep threatening to go on. I don't want to go on a retreat, Chloe. I don't want to go on a retreat to Buca de Beppe and share a giant ball with everybody. That feels weird. I don't think anybody would force <laughs> you to do that. <laughs> if that's what you had in mind, Chloe, we're not doing it. Rachel, you're going to order this giant meatball, but you're not going to eat it yourself. You're going to share it with everybody, and we're just going to cut little slivers off of it. Okay, well, there you go. You know, if you cut and serve, that we're good. I think there's. I think my thought was you're going at it. You know, you're no, gonna, you gotta you gotta cut, cut you gotta cut, cut a portion cut and, and put it on your own plate, and Guess everybody what? has a good time. Everyone's sticking their forks in the ball. Yeah, shocker, shocker. I I don't know anything about sharing meatballs. Shocker. <laughs> Let's wrap this thing up before we get, you know, some kind of new rules by the FDA. <laughs> well, thank you to Batwell or Studios. Or the whatever. Brad, have you ever been menaced by the FCC <laughs> over meatball-related regulations? Not over meatballs, no. Okay. Oh, good. Well, that's that's good. We don't want to... Well, we we're don't trying to keep start. it that way. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Thank um, you to Batwell Studios. Yes. Thank you very much. And um, Good thing we don't have a ball drawer. Oh, yeah. yeah that would have been working overtime. Bing, 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 yeah. bing, bing, bing. Um, that actually would sound more like a meatball landing, like a giant meatball just landing on top of pasta. Which will, you know, with all, the, with all the mentions of, <laughs> of, of dicks and, and balls that we do on this podcast, we could probably afford one of those giant meatballs at Buca de Beppo now. Probably. M- probably. My favorite Instagrammer is somebody named Mr. Pasta Pass, who <laughs> just only goes to Olive Garden. And it's just, it's just videos and, f- and photos. And the, and the most recent one is just two meatballs rolling into a thing of spaghetti. Please, Mr. Pasta I mean, it's Pass like, it's was like a, my father's name. Call me Robert. <laughs> it's a boomerang where the balls come out and then back in. And back. Anyway, wrapping it up. <laughs> Sidewalkfest.com or on social media at Sidewalk Film. Why don't Bye. you visit those places and come see a movie with us. Bye-bye. Batwell Studios Podcast Division. Your words, our expertise.